0: Hello there and welcome to the Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. Callum Williams here, as always, alongside Kendra D. St. Albyn. Kendra, we're here. We're finally here's the start of the season. Unbelievable.
1: And I can't believe it. And you know what? I've almost lost my voice again, which is part for the course. I feel like every opening game we've had. I managed to get sick the week before so i'm hoping that's i just allow you to talk more
0: you got to stop jumping in the yeah. snow yeah exactly is. yes <laughs> well to help us preview the season the perfect guest the head coach of minnesota united mr adrian heath joins us gaffer how are you i'm great i'm just admiring your
2: sparkling new uh offices here and uh See where all the money's going now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> huh? My my God, could very, do very impressive. Could well, do we a bit were more going on the players, perhaps. Maybe yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> we could get rid of
1: the experience center that was here because we've sold out the stadium now, so we don't need to do that exactly. anymore. Exactly. Yeah.
0: True. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the stadium was wonderful last year when it was full. When we we got past a certain stage of COVID nineteen, um, the the fans were sensational when we had them in last year. You must be looking forward to another campaign with them behind you.
2: Yeah, I think. One of the things, and we've always said that the relationship between the supporters and the players has been really special. But it's not just us who feels that. You know, the amount of coaches when I go around the league, you know, I'm on the subcommittee with the, the coaches and we, we talk things over. But invariably when we get round to the clubs, they always talk about the stadium and the atmosphere. So, uh, yeah, we can't wait to get the Allianz full again. So it's because uh, it is a special place when it's full.
0: So we're hoping and we will... We, well, as far as we're aware, it is going to be full throughout the entirety of the season, and it's going to be wonderful. We'll talk all about Allianz Field and the All Star Game later on, and some really important games that will come up throughout the, the course of the season. But before we we speak about the 22 campaign, let's just rewind for a moment, shall mm-hmm. we, and talk about 2021 finishing fifth, dramatic circumstances, and, and finishing the league. Um, I couldn't believe it the way that LA Galaxy dropped out at the last moment. It, it was nerve wracking for us as broadcasters, and I'm sure you listening at home as well. But uh, as the head coach did you know what the situation was on the sideline we did
2: and um, when we missed the penalty I felt the worst because I've been in football a long long time and that's normally what happens you you, you miss one end and then something happens at the other end, and then you can go from fifth to ninth you know I think it's quite important that we mentioned that we finished fifth because what got lost in that day people thought we got in on the last day at the last spot and we didn't you know, so it uh, didn't give us a home field game, um, and the game in Portland was a real disappointment. But certainly, going back to the LA game, it's a long time since I've been involved in anything that was as, as nerve wracking and as emotional as that that game was.
1: That might have been the craziest decision day that anybody has ever been a part of across the league, as far as people scoreboard watching and whatnot. And you talk about finishing in fifth place, and does it does it does it feel like? Uh, a punch in the gut that people forget that you didn't just sneak in or does it feel like well I'm glad that the expectation now is that this team is good enough to host a home playoff game because you have
2: I think so and I, I you know I, I think considering the start we had because you know we, we've been through it it's a lot a lot of people have written about it was it the 0-4 start there's only a handful of clubs have ever made the playoffs from there so we'd put ourselves behind the eight ball a little bit from the very beginning and didn't give us a lot of room for error throughout the year so you know Hats off to the players for, you know, they played under pressure for virtually the whole of the season, because when you go to the last game of the season and you know that you've probably got to win in L.A., you know, it's uh, it's, 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 no, it's no tall order. So hats off to the players, they, you know, they, they came and they responded in the right way. And then I honestly thought that we were going into the, the playoffs with a little bit of momentum. And we got Ray fit, we got Fraga fit, we got Robin fit. And Adrian started to play a little bit of football towards the end. So I was really disappointed the way we went out because we actually started the game really, really well. First 20, 25 minutes. And then we conceded the goal just before half time. And when they got the early second one, I don't think we ever really troubled them. So that was a disappointment for sure.
0: You mentioned him. Can I ask you about... Who mm. and and your thoughts on on what the campaign was for him seven goals which isn't a bad return given he was only here half a season yeah. but it felt as though there was a lot more expected from him
2: I think so and I think he expected a lot more of himself that's you know one of the things he spoke about in the off season is and you know we had a chat before he left and I know he's worked hard in the off season but coming back I, I wanted to see more of the Adrian who now that made us pay the money that we did for him. You know, because I, I've seen him two or three times play for Rennes against Paris Saint-Germain, maybe the most, you know, expensive assembled team in the world football. And he terrorised them. Mm-hmm. You know, scored a couple of goals in the cup final. And we, we, we need to see that. And I think he knows he needs to p- produce that type of performances. Now, it's going to be tough for him because he's got a lot more competition than he had last year in that for that starting position.
0: So... What, what was the situation with Unu then? So, what, Why didn't you get the centre forward that you thought you were bringing in?
2: Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it's as easy, easy as people think when you move, when you move club. Sure. Not only moving club, you move, you know, that's his oh, hometown true. club. <laughs> you know, he's, he's grown up there. Feels part and parcel of everything that goes on at Red. But for him to, you know, come to the States and then, you know, they've got to settle in, three months in a hotel, living out of a suitcase and your family and your girlfriend and everything and back home, it's never easy. And, yeah. you know, then you've got to get that relationship going with with your your wide guys and your, and your number 10. And as you say, he got seven goals in half a season. If he'd have got 14 over the season, people would have said that's a really good return. The issue was that I'm really disappointed because he could have got between 10 and 12 in half a season because he, he left an awful lot of chances out there. And we've spoke about it and his opportunities are going to come. Obviously, now with Luis Almeria here. And Abu come back and looking really sharp, we know that Robin Lode can play through the middle, you know, there's going to be an awful lot of competition for that starting
0: number nine. As it stands, and we'll probably get into it much deeper a little later on, as it stands though, looking at the roster that you have, do, do you do you view Adrian Unu as your number one centre forward right now?
2: That's to be determined. I think that's open for, open for grabs. And, you know, as I've said, the first time probably that I've been the coach here that you can conceivably look along the bench and make changes and think it might get better. We've we've never really had that in the past. Maybe the odd one or two players we've thought, like a Darwin Quintero, would have been on the bench. You can bring him on and anything can happen in, his, in instinct. But we haven't had an awful lot of that. This is the first time, I think, that we've got genuine competition in nearly every position. Maybe a couple of defensive positions, not as strong squad-wise as I would like. But virtually everywhere else, we are really, really strong and we have a lot of depth. So the players that play, the ones, the lucky ones who get the shirt on on Saturday in Philly, you know, it's up to them to keep the shirt because I, I think now we can make changes if people aren't producing.
0: So talk to me about that depth that you were just talking about there. Because, again, when you look at this roster on paper, it's incredibly strong, particularly from an attacking point of view as well. You must be delighted with the business you've done.
2: Yeah, we 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 wanted to get a touch younger, and we, which we've done. You know, we Bongi's come in, and he's twenty one, and Ariaga's twenty three, and Luis is twenty six. You know, and, and we we're expecting a lot more out of McMaster this year. You know, maybe a bit more off Nico Hansen, and then you couple that with Fragapani and you couple that with you know with robin Lord. The, the the attacking pieces are really really strong, and we've got a little bit of everything there. A little bit of you know. The, the guile of one or two of them, the pace of one or two of them. So
1: we're quite happy
2: with what we've done in the off-season.
1: When you talk about what you've done in the off-season, in particular getting younger, and you mentioned pretty much all international players there, when you're looking at building your roster and creating this depth, what makes you maybe look outside the league versus within the league versus what's what goes into that decision-making I, process?
2: I think one of the things as well, Kendra, and I don't know if you've you've looked at this and noticed it, Cal, that the domestic player now is going for more money than he's ever gone for. And sometimes you haven't got the, the you know, if just say Alistair Johnson, just say we, we would have wanted him. Mm. We're in no position. We haven't got a million in gammon time to go and spend on him. It's it, it Generally, the, the only teams that can do that are the people who've sold people without the league. You know, I know I'm going off offer a tangent now, but that's something I would like to, to see a change in the league. Mm. I would like us to be able to buy internally. Because I don't see why every time we have to buy a player, he has to be a foreign player, you know. And if you haven't got enough time and gam, the players that would make a difference to your team, who are you know national team players from the states or from Canada or domestic players, there's only a, an handful of clubs who can actually do that because they've just sold somebody out of the league. So you know maybe that's one of the reasons, Kendra. To be honest with you, the the type of player that we would want to make us better within the league. We haven't got the resources to go and take him because we haven't got over a million in gam or time, And that's what you're spending now to get a you know, a top-draw domestic player.
0: You've again been comfortable on the international markets. Talk me through the process of bringing in somebody like Munga Longwane. I'm glad you said that. Ken. <laughs> I sure as heck am not saying it. I'm, I'm, I think we stick to Bongi. I think <laughs> Bongi's good. And he likes Bongi as There well, we go. Like, you know. <laughs> What about the process, though, to, to bring him in? Because it, it's not like he's on television every every week. It's not no. like, I'm assuming you've got scouts based in Africa, but yeah. how, how do you find a player like that? What goes into bringing in somebody like that from South Africa?
2: Well, I think you're always looking at emerging markets, markets that you think you can get more value from. You know, there's no... It's not a secret that if you go and try and get a guy out of the Premier League, first thing you do is he's on 70 grand a week wages. And then, you know, the transfer fee is normally huge. So we we we're trying to look at markets where we think we can go and get really good value for money. Africa being one of them, and um, you know, Amos went down and see, saw him and liked him and met the kid. Um, smashing kid, by the way, always got a smile on his face. And um, but he's, he's like i say, saying, he's, he's an emerging talent. He's just broke into the South African national team. I had a long conversation with the the national team coach. And he thinks the kid has got so much potential. And at this moment, it's raw. It's a little bit untapped. We're going to have to work with him. But he has a lot of really good natural talents. He's incredibly quick. He's got a lovely first touch. It looks like he's got an eye for a goal. He does combine with players. So, you know, it's going to be a process. But we feel as though we've got something really that could, if if it hits the way that we're hoping to, we could have a really good top-draw player on our hands.
1: When you look at someone like Curvin Ariaga then what makes you like his style what he can bring to the table it's another more quality depth piece in that holding midfielder role for you guys
2: yeah and 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 Cohen's been on our sort of on our radar for maybe over a year now you know he's he's, he's somebody we saw playing for Honduras, and I remember ringing the staff and said oh are, are, are you watching Honduras again might have been Mexico, and there he is this big talkien in the middle of the park and he's he's making tackles all over the place. And then when they were chasing the game, he's in the box attacking crosses. And then the following game I watched him is playing centre-back. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this is a sort of perfect MLS player. Plays two or three positions. He's young enough. Another emerging market where we know we can get value for money. And um, it took us a while, but eventually we got it over the line. Just hope we can get everything through for him for this weekend.
0: The one that people waited for uh, for what seemed like an eternity, was Luis Amarilla.
2: Mm.
0: The deal got done. And it was wonderful to see when it got done. I think it, uh, everybody would have preferred if it got done a bit a bit sooner. But yeah. this is dealing Me with too. the international Me market. Too, the <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. But you must be delighted again, because he's one of those players where you know exactly what he's going to bring. He's yeah. come in and he's done so well in 2020 in what was yeah. a bizarre season. Yeah. What are the expectations for him this year?
2: To score goals. I, I You know, when we brought him in, I know he made that bold prediction, didn't he, (laughs) when he first got here. 25 goals, no problem. And everybody raised their eyebrows. But then he gets two and two Mm. from the off. And um, no, we've followed him since then. You know, because you're never 100% certain, Cal, when you go and fetch somebody in from another country. No matter how much you pay. I'm not about a 500 grand player or an $8 million player. Mm. You're never 100% certain how they're going to settle. The one thing we had with Luis... We, we had a sample size didn't we we had we 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 knew him we got to know him what he was like as a professional what he was like as a kid and you 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 know him he's he's a great kid smiles never far away from his face comes in trains really hard but looks as though he's got goals in him even in training looks like he's going to score all the time and I just think in tight moments and tight games having somebody who you think this guy will pinches a goal from somewhere or if somebody makes a mistake he's normally there to actually you know capitalise on it I, you know I just think that in big moments Luis will get us a goal
0: you correct me if I'm wrong here I've seen Amaria playing abroad over the course of the, the last year it was wonderful with Liga de Quito yeah. played in the Copa Libertadores in the, the quarterfinals of the Sudamericana yeah. um, and it looked like he could play at that level on a consistent basis I, I know your preference for the most part is to either have a, a target man or have somebody that's pressing high yeah Amaria, no doubt he can press, but he's he's not somebody you would you would say, right, he's he's got a hundred miles an hour in his game throughout the 90 minutes. But what he does do is he plays off the shoulder wonderfully. Uh-huh. Was was that acquisition purposely done, knowing at the time Emmanuel Reynoso in twenty twenty was was potentially coming in. The combination of those two seems to yeah. be something that they're both excited to play with the other.
2: I think that the other thing as well, I, and I say this to the white guys as well as the centre forward. We have a special talent in Reynoso in terms of if you can put something on, you can put the right run on, you can time the run. We've got a guy who can put the ball through, and I, I have a needle. This guy, the small windows, you know, it's a bit like the American football guy. They say they can throw it through the windows, you know, and these little pockets of space. Ray can do that. Ray can, Ray can pick somebody out, and if he's only got a yard to get the ball into, he can get it there. And invariably, it's at the right weight, it's the right pace, and he delivers it at the right time. And all these things are so important for a, for a striker because the closer you get, the higher up you get to the, the highest level of football, then moments become, you know, few and far between. You might only get two opportunities a game, and that's when you need your special player to either produce a goal for you or to produce a pass for you. And that's what Ray can do. You know, and I, and I don't think, certainly the white guys have utilised that enough. And I think that Luis will.
1: When you talk about Luis and clearly his qualities on the field as as a player, well, what about his personality? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first press conference you had and guaranteed 25 goals and he had yeah. an injury. And now he's come back and he said, unfinished business yeah. a little bit. So what is it about his personality and all the guys that you get that bring in that you make sure you bring in the right guys from a chemistry aspect?
2: Well, you, you, you try all the time to do enough homework that, you know, you, you sort of nulli- nullify all the... All the negatives, if you like, before they get here. Man, I just explained to Kelly you, you you can't always get that right, and for some, whatever reason, sometimes people don't settle. I don't think Thomas Chacon ever settled. You know, he, he came as a young kid, and he and he never really come to terms with being that far away from home as a young boy, and then being in and out of the team and not feeling where he you know where where he felt important. We know what we're getting with Luis. You know, he's incredibly popular in the dressing room. Uh, his teammates love him. The staff like him. He works hard. He trains every day. And he, he just looks as though he's got an eye for a goal. Mm-hmm. So when you consider what we paid for him, I think we got great value. We certainly got him at a lot better value than we would have done originally. You know, it, 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 when we talked about bringing him in 2020, was it was it mm-hmm. the year? Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking four and a half million in them. So now to bring him in at around 1.5 it has been good business for us.
0: Um I want to ask you about Abu Dhanladi uh, in a moment, because mm-hmm. I know that signing was, was met with mixed reactions. Yeah, I get um, it. But, but first and foremost, I, you mentioned some of the, the players that have departed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Chukon. Uh, I'm intrigued to, to ask you why, why that didn't work, but also why you felt the need to... to. I know you offered a contract to Ozzy Alonso, but in the end he's obviously gone yeah. to Atlanta United. What, why was he not retained? Why was Jan Gregus not retained?
2: Well, uh, Jan's was a little bit different. Jan was going to be on a huge number this year, and we felt with the, we feel as though Asani is at that point now where we have to find out one way or the other: is this guy going to be a box to box midfield player that could potentially gate crash Greg Berhalter's, you know, national mm-hmm. team? I think he can, and um, we just felt that we were holding Asani back if we'd have kept Jan because I think Jan went. You know the salaries get published, then Jan would have been on 900,000 next year. We just felt it was too much with the emergence of Asani. We offered Aussie um, a contract, and and I get when he, he's gone, he's gone with his best friend, you know, Gonzalo Pinedo, and I get that. And he goes with all our wishes. I don't think there's anybody can say that Aussie wasn't incredible value for us on and off the field as his leadership and you know, his, the way he was in the locker room. But we felt as though we, you know, and the other thing, Cal, is, and I think this has been overlooked a little bit, the salary cap hasn't changed for three years. In that time, we've probably signed nine nine new contracts to either existing players or players we've bought in. Sometimes something has to give. Yep. You, you know, we, we we can't pay everybody what they want to do, but if you want to keep hold of Asani, you want to keep hold of Dane Sinclair, you want to keep hold of Chase Gasper, because they're going to be the future over the next four or five years for the club, something has to give, and... You know sometimes you make unpopular decisions for that but as I've always said we, we never make a decision about a personality or about players. We do it for the good of the club and what's right for the big picture. Sometimes the big picture isn't everybody else's picture they want their favorites to stay and I get that but we can't keep everybody happy that's the bottom line.
1: When you look at the, the players and we as Cal just alluded to the left, I mean, Ethan Finley left as a free mm-hmm. agent, we understand that. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the depth that you've got, and we've talked a lot about Hassani Dotson, what about his leadership role? Not just his play on the field, and you've been able to utilize him in all d- different positions. He's kind of a renaissance man in that fact. What do you need from him as a leader of this team in that role? If Will Trapp isn't available, if Michael Boxall yeah. is away, what do you need from him?
2: Well, Sony has to prove that he can be the guy. You know, we, we all think he can and he's shown glimpses of it. I read a stat the other day that when Asani played in central midfield player, we're seven, one and four. You know, so it's, he, he, he has an influence on the group. What we need to do, we need to see him now. He's not a young boy anymore. You know, this is his, what, is his third, fourth year with us. I think it's the beginning of his fourth year. He has to prove now that he's an MLS starter on a regular basis that really contributes and has an influence on the team. You know, he's certainly not shy. You know, he's not shy at coming forward by any stretch of the imagination. So he's got a personality to go with that. So now it's time to, you know, step up.
0: So go on, man. Abu Dhanladi. Yeah. You really rate this kid, don't you?
2: I think he has a lot of talent, yeah. And I just thought the risk, reward. You know, he was he was out of contract. Um, he only had one injury last year. And I just think that, you know, he's changed his diet. He's changed the way he looks after himself. He's changed his fitness regime. I just thought second striker, maybe the lead striker, maybe a third striker. I just felt the value was too good to turn down. And he's been terrific all preseason. You've seen a lot of the games, look sharp, you know, looking like the Abu we know. So, uh, you know, we touch wood. I hope he has a injury-free season, and if he does, I know he'll contribute.
1: When it seemed like even mentally and emotionally he was in a different spot, you know, than, than maybe he was the first time around as, as a young number one overall pick. But also some versatility there for him, to be able to use him in different ways. Mm-hmm. What have you liked from that aspect during preseason?
2: Well, he's, he's, he's played underneath the striker. He's played out wide. You know, he did it, He did that a few times for us when he was here originally. Yeah, he's, he's, I think he's just matured as a kid. Everything about him, his game's matured. I think mentally he's matured a lot more. I think, you know, the fact that his, his girlfriend's from Minnesota coming back, I just think all them things contributed to, to the decision to bring him back because I, I just think that there's a lot more still to come from him. I really
0: do. One last question in terms of, of personnel, and then we'll move on to, to later on in the season. I know you were in for a defensive player uh, from the, the Central American region in the off-season it seems as though if there is an area that you wish to add further, that that would be the area. Am I correct in saying that moving forward?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we we brought O'Neill Fisher in who can play both left back and right back and he's proved that consistently within the league. But if there's a couple of areas, you know, we we haven't got a natural left footed centre back other than Debassi. Mm. And sometimes, especially at home when you're on top, I I, I do think it gives you a far greater outlet, uh, outlet of getting out quicker on that side, having a natural left footer. Um, Chasey's never really had a real competition you know we've had people who filled in there um, so yeah that, that's an area that, we, that we're that we looking at I think if you look at their back line our defensive structure has been really good I think we've been in the top third defensively for the last two years if we have a similar year with the attacking pieces we've got I think it stands us in good stead but certainly that will be their next sort of focus of attention for us over the Maybe it's not the summer winter. Maybe it's next winter. But we have to start to get looking at younger players in their positions.
0: Okay, well, it's all very exciting. The season about to get underway here for Minnesota United, of course, starting the season away to Philadelphia Union before then hosting Nashville SC uh, for the home opener. We'll talk about Philadelphia Union a little later on. But at at this stage of the season, I heard you say to the press earlier on today, so I'm going to ask you again. Mm -hmm. You never get tired of this, do you?
2: No, I love my job. You know, I I wake up every morning. And I've always said the minute I wake up and don't look forward to going to work, then I'll look to do something else. But I love the job. I always say it's the best thing that we can do other than play. And that's why we all do it. Nearly every coach I know Well, why did you get into coaching? Well, it's the nearest thing to playing. And, you know, that environment that you come in every morning, working with young guys, working with people to try and improve them, you know, getting any messages from kids who've gone on and left you and they send you a message saying I've just got to move here and I'm so pleased thank you for everything you did to help me they're the things that you know make you get up in the morning and excited to go to work and you know I left school at 15 and I'm at 61 and you know I'm, I'm still got the same enthusiasm to come in and work and hopefully make the team better
1: I did see you throw on a penny the other day
2: you did? And by the way, I wasn't <laughs> the worst player. I'm just going to throw that out there and let's make sure we get that in. Because
1: I see Macaulay throwing on quite often, but I saw you throwing on. What's the hardest part about coaching then? What is the biggest challenge as a coach? As you talked about all the things you love and enjoy. Well, I think everybody
2: has an idea what they think in the head. Getting it down on a field and making everybody aware of what their roles and responsibilities are. Getting people to be in the right spots at the right time without stifling them enough that it becomes too rigid. You know, we, we have Ray, and at times I want Ray to be higher up the field, but then he'll come deeper and meet two men and put somebody in on goal, and you go, okay, there's that way of doing it as well, you know. So there's more than one way to skin a cat, but invariably it's trying to get everybody on the same wavelength. As I say, roles and responsibilities in possession, out of possession, transition moments, and um, doing that with all the different languages has its challenges at times, but we, we've been doing okay with it.
0: There's a lot to look forward to this season. But the one thing that we as a football club have all got to look forward to collectively later on this year is the MLS All-Star game, Yeah, which we can't wait to have at Allianz Field. You are going to be the head coach mm. of the All-Stars. That must be really exciting.
2: Well, it is because you get to meet, you know, by then it could be Insigne and people like mm-hmm. that, or, you know, maybe Chittarito and Valor. You get to meet these people who you only see from afar. I think it's just reward for the club. You know this has been a long time coming. There's not many teams have done what we've done from the off. That stadium's been full nearly every game. You know it's got arguably the best stadium in Major League Soccer. The crowd turn up every single day, regardless of the weather. I think the U.S. game will show you that. (laughs) So whenever it comes, it's been long overdue and it's fully deserved. Not just for the football side, but for everybody who's put so much work in into the club over the last four or five years.
1: Do you think you'll talk to coaches of past All-Star games to kind of get a feel for that week? Because it's not like the NBA All-Star game where it's just a free-for-all. I mean, there's there's some fun in the week, but there's also... You always yeah. want to win.
2: Yes, you do. And I obviously, that we've had the likes of Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich. And then last year's game, it was a, probably a little bit more needle in it because it was the Mexican team. So, you know, I don't think we're quite sure yet what the format's going to be, but... No. All I know is the stadium will be full, everybody will enjoy it, and whichever way they go, whether it be a European team or an all-star Mexican team, I think that the league is proving now that they can compete, so we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Sean McCauley, one of my assistants, was with James O'Connor in Orlando when they had it, and they said it was a great two or three days, so I know it's going to be the same here.
0: Okay. uh, when injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alignor Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at AlignerHealth.org/slash. Although he's hoping Minnesota United stay away from injury this season, I hope so. I <laughs> just
1: did see Doctor Burshaw though, so I can I can vouch for Alina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna, I was started to chuckle when you were started that read because I was like, oh yeah, I was just there. What so happens when you get old? You
2: need to ask him about your throat. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I know it's yeah.
1: <laughs> terrible. I know I don't know. I have I have a weakness, I guess. You need that ready and for that's Saturday. It. Yeah, very much so. It doesn't bode well on live television.
0: <laughs> well, what does bode well on live television is major superstars coming to yeah. Major League Soccer gaffer. And, and we've seen it over the years, no doubt. They've come to MLS in their drones. But this year, it really feels like it's becoming more regular. Let me just rattle off some names to you. Jadon Shakiri, Douglas Costa, Thiago Almada... Lorenzo Insigne, mm-hmm. all world-class players coming yeah. to Major League Soccer. Yeah. I, I know we've asked you this before in terms of the growth of MLS and what these signings do, but, but what does the fact that there's some signings here that have somewhat gone under the radar, there's several that we won't even talk about, yeah. that five or six years ago would have been major news. Yeah. It just shows once again how quickly the league is evolving.
2: Well, yeah, you, know, you look at Douglas Costas, played for Bayern Munich, played for Juventus, um, Shakiri. You know, Two
0: Liverpool, Champions Leagues Yeah,
2: Liverpool um, Swiss Caps I don't know how many he's got Probably a hundred Swiss Caps The young kid, El Marder, Probably the best young talent Down in South America At this moment in time You know, I think We've always said that, that You know, the commissioner used to say We're trying to make it the league of choice It actually is a league of choice For a lot of people now yeah. You know, that I know it's like a throwaway line But it is I've told you before, Cal I own my computer every morning there's another 20 emails from agents from around the world. My, my client is 26. He's out of contract next year. He wants to come in at MLS. I'm just putting him on your radar. That gets more each year. And as the stadium starts to grow, and as the league starts to grow, and we have to say it, as the money starts to grow, we're going to start to get this more and more. And, you know, I, I don't think we're a million miles away from when we are maybe one of the owners who are rich enough will go and get the best player in the world at that particular time, regardless of his age, because the money is here to do that. And I think once that happens, it will be a complete game changer. But I I swear to you, I must have 20 a day. People from the UK, from Europe, saying, I'm just putting him on your radar for next season or for the year after when he's 27, out of contract. So it's just the growth of the league. And, uh, you know, long may it continue because I, I still think the league's a shadow of what it's going to be eventually when it's completely at the right end.
1: When you were first in Austin, and then before you made the move to Orlando, SC, and it was just yeah. the, the the beginning of sort of the I shouldn't say the beginning of this league because it's been around for a really long time. But could you imagine when you first looked and, and eyed MLS that it would be where it is today? Did you imagine that could I have like been? I'd be the clever field? and
2: say yeah. Mm-hmm. I, no, I did because the, one of the reasons I went to Austin in the beginning was playing a. Um, a friendly game in Portland with Coventry City, and there were 17,000 there. And I'm thinking, this has got growth in it here. And then when we went to Austin, USL, minor league, whatever you want to call it, we were getting regular between five and 10,000. So when we ended up in Orlando and, you know, famously, uh, part the journalist said to us, I'd like to wish you luck, guys. This was offline, by the way. Me and Phil Rawlings, who was the owner. So I'd like to wi- wish you luck with the MLS, but you've got no chance here. Three years later, we had 62,000 now on the opening day in, in, the, in the Citrus Bowl. So it's come a long way. But I think the great thing is now the stadias are coming along as well. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, the, the curve is going, still going that way. And um, I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon.
0: What is the next step for MLS then?
2: Um, me personally, I'm really going to be greedy. Here. I would love us to get involved in the Copa Libertadores. I know the travel issues are a problem. But we have to start to get to the stage where we're playing regularly against the likes of Boca Juniors, the likes of Palmeiras, the likes of River Plate. And that will then start to see internationally a a big changeover. Now, we might have to change the the, the calendar. We might have to change, you know, the winter to summer. But I, I honestly think if we can get to that Copa Libertadores, maybe take a game away the Saturday before or the Saturday after to enable the travel... I think it would be a huge shot in the arm for the game here.
1: When you look at the MLS calendar, as you're as we're talking about it here, and how it aligns with other calendars around the world in different leagues, what do you think of the way the calendar goes? Even let's say this season, you know, you started a little bit earlier, yeah. end, a, end a little bit earlier with the World Cup the condensed schedule, you have midweek games, you have the games on the weekend. Is that something you think that's that's doable for the players in this league with the depth of the rosters?
2: Well, well we have to. And one of the reasons we're, you know, we've put a bit more depth into the roster is we, we know this is coming. Don't get me going on the World Cup in Qatar. <laughs> 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 so, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, but don't get me going on that one. Yeah? We'll talk
1: uh, pro-rel uh, later. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's uh, – no, we have to – it's long-term. I think it's something that we will have to look at, the calendar, to get on the same as everybody else. I know it's difficult. Maybe I'll ask you a question. Do you think that if we played at the same team as the Vikings, we played Saturday, they played Sunday, it would affect our attendance? Yes. You think it would? I do. So you don't think we would have 20,000...
1: Oh, I was, no, I think there's a different fan base for sure. But I think that the the better chance that you have of just more eyeballs, whether it's on a television or in the stadium, I think it's better to have that opportunity because I don't think people want to have to make the choice. That's my actually, opinion on it. Yeah. You know, I Cal? mean, I think...
0: Well, but, but you're, you're, So you're saying in, in this market in particular, there wouldn't be an issue?
1: Yeah, I don't think in this market in particular, but if we're talking about the league as a whole, I think it could be a problem.
2: Well, that becomes a problem then with the calendar. Right, because you know, if you if you're gonna get on like a European calendar where the two or three months in the summer are off, like every nearly everywhere else is.
1: Do you think it's a weather issue or a calendar? I- you know what I mean when we're talking calendars aligning. With well, other last leagues. time I looked
2: in Poland and Russia, they still play, and it gets pretty
1: cold. Right? <laughs> you know, well, I, did, I You know, yeah. people just like to complain around here. Well, so. there you go.
2: But I, I just think that that the way I see it, that the most football fans, soccer fans. The fact that the Vikings were playing would not deter them from coming and watching us on a Saturday. That's m- my opinion.
1: I agree with you in the sense that I don't think it would deter them from coming into the game. You have the loyal fan base that yeah. are soccer, but if you're trying to get more eyes on the sport that maybe aren't the loyal people, then it would be hard sometimes to choose it would, to make that choice. I mean, I know what my choice would be, but nah. I just don't know that I fall into the same category as others. Interesting. What? Uh-oh. Now I'm, now I'm upset <laughs> him. He grabbed his tea. What... um. <laughs>
0: What about, though, so you, you brought up the, the U.S. men's game that yeah. was at Allianz Field um, yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I stood there with the fans, and it was a wonderful experience. Can confirm it's colder than Stoke on a Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember what the temperature was, but it was ungodly. Yeah. Do you think that fans would turn up? Because that's a, that's a big U.S. national team game, and it was fine. Yeah. Do you think fans would turn up on a Tuesday night when it is negative temperatures for Minnesota United at home to whoever do, you, do I, I think we'll be okay Minnesota because the people here have no problem with it yeah. but I, is it the same in New England is it the same at the Red Bulls is it the same at Toronto
2: um firstly red new england don't get that many people in that stadium
0: you said it not me <laughs> <laughs>
2: no but, but it, it, it's 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 factual mm-hmm. you know I, I i look at Kansas City it's full nearly every time they play mm. I don't think it being cold would deter that fan base. There, oh, I'm not going because it's p- quite cold today. Right. I just don't don't think it will. Well, will, but uh, no, it's an interesting one. But I I just think that somewhere along the line we might have to address it, mm. the calendar, because it's 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 difficult for us when we're playing when everybody else is off and vice versa. It affects the transfer strategy. It it affects buying and selling of players. You know so. If we're going to become a league, like you just said, bringing all these kids from South America and, like, looking at Pepe going, looking at Reynolds going, we need to be on a calendar like everywhere else yeah. because they want to take him in the offseason and then work with him in preseason, not taking him in December. You know, so, you know, I know we're getting off at a tangent here. You know. I was know. just going
1: to ask you another question, but we Go should probably then. move on. Well, I was just going to say to you, is that the reason why that the calendar doesn't change? Is that there's a fear... That the the there will be the competition with other sports. Is that what the argument is out there? The why it doesn't change.
2: I think so. That's what I was. I'm led to believe, and maybe for TV, you know, the actual we'll, contracts uh, yeah. themselves. And also, we all know NFL's NFL's king, and you know, you can't get in airspace when that's on. It's mm-hmm. going to be difficult, but uh, yeah, interesting.
0: We're, I think we're all just waiting to hear what's going to happen with particular the, the television contracts and whatnot, because it's all. Very, very significant to how this league moves forward. The other thing,
2: as well, we we have to look at is the next World Cup will be a huge interest and will be a huge shot in the arm for the game. Mm. Make no mistake, you know, I've spoke over the years to loads of people from influential uh, bodies, and most of them quietly would say to you, I wouldn't mind if every four years the World Cup was in America because not only is the stadium great, the infrastructure, you know, getting to and from, and, you know, cash is king when it comes <laughs> to FIFA. Hey, they make more money in America than they do anywhere else. Mm. That's the bottom line. So if you were one of them smaller nations getting to the World Cup, you, you you wouldn't mind every time the World Cup being in the States.
0: This is why I also agree with you in the sense of, I've, I've been saying this for a while now, that Major League Soccer need to find a way to get themselves involved in the Copa Libertadores. I don't know how CONCACAF and Conley will figure something out, but hopefully they do. Um, I've called the last two Copa Lib finals and yeah. the, the quality is, is top class. Mm-hmm. Do you think MLS clubs could compete at that level with the likes of Palmeiras and River Riverplace? Well, I'm going to give you
2: the, the analogy is that 25 years ago, people didn't want Iceland to be in the Euros. Well, why are we playing them? They finish bottom of their group every year. 20 years later, they get into the semi-final. Because of the experiences of playing them teams and finishing bottom of the group, I remember 10, 12 years ago where wasn't many US teams could compete with any of the Mexican teams. That game comes on the TV tomorrow night, and I'm thinking, you know, Seattle are going to beat Azul. Seattle are going to beat Club America. Yeah. We didn't think that 12 years ago, so we're certainly closing the gap. It's getting closer every year, and I think they, down in South America, know that, but they also know that if we could get the, the MLS teams involved in that tournament... You would see the the popularity not only grow in America but down there, mm-hmm. and then the sponsors and the people who, you know, stump up the money for these tournaments. I think would we'll get more involved if the American teams were involved.
0: I think River Plate away to LA Galaxy is yeah. mouthwatering. Yeah, exactly. The possibilities of Boca Juniors at New York City FC. It is just exactly. absolutely the potential. Maybe is
2: when there. they get a proper field. <laughs> and you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some of the Portuguese. Teams playing up in the Revs up in Boston. Where did you oh, play, my word, yes. You know the, the sta- Yeah, yes. the stadium would be incredibly, it would be impact. And, and I just think then we, we're we bringing another type of person in. You know, because I, I watched the game the other night and, uh, down in South America and it was an hour and a half before kickoff, the stadium's full. Mm. You know, an hour after the stadium's full, it's, they just bring a different vibe to it as well.
0: Yeah. Um, So before we move on to actually preview the opening day opponents, (laughs) Philadelphia Union, uh, I've got one more question for you. We've spoken about international football and the Copa Libertadores. What do you make of the League's Cup and the proposal now to Major League Soccer and what that potentially could become?
2: Well, you you watch the games last night. And obviously, we'll take we'll take the Colorado game out of it a little <laughs> bit because the elements were a little bit difficult out there, you know. But I think that we, if we're going to do these competitions, we have to do it consistently, you know, not bring one in and then we change it and we do something else. I just think the gap is getting so much smaller now. I think once we get to the stage where teams from the US are going down to Canada, playing Monterey, playing Tigres, playing Pachuca, playing Club America and playing them on a consistent basis and start to win them games, I think then we'll start to see people take it a lot more serious than they think at this moment.
0: Okay, Uh, well, intriguing conversation. Um, Let's move on then, shall we? Because, again, the whole purpose of this podcast was to talk about (laughs) Philadelphia Union. I have no idea how long we're into this podcast now, but um, we'll we'll talk about the opening day opponent, shall we, the Union. um, Mm -hmm. Managed wonderfully last year, uh, over the last couple of years, really, by Jim Curtin. Um, Lost Kasper Shabilko to Chicago Fire. Bought in um, Mikel Ura, who, who we don't know if he's going to be available yet. Um they lost uh, Montero who who went over to San Jose. A lot of people expecting young Paxton Aronson to perhaps pick up a lot of uh, the weight there that Montero will be leaving for him. What are you expecting from them on opening day? I
2: don't think we're going to get surprised with the way they play. You know they they play in that really tight diamond in midfield. They play the number ten, they they get runners. If they're in any doubt, they play it forward. They get second balls. They get it wide. They get the ball in your box very early. You know, I, I'm I'm quite tight with Jim. I've got so much time for him. I think he's done a great job there. Um, we know it's going to be difficult. You just look at their results over the last two or three years. Been one of the best teams in the East. R- very rarely lose at home. And we're going to have to play well. If, we, if we're going to take something from this game, I guarantee you after the game, I will say... We've, been, we've played really well today, or we've had a little bit of luck when we've needed it, which you always need on the road. So, no, I expect a really tough game.
1: I know you, you're going to focus more on yourselves than on them, but what is it about Jim Curtin that he does well as a coach? What is it that gets his teams to play that he wants them to play, regardless of who's available or who's not available when we look at some of those games last year?
2: Well, I think as a club they've got a very defined style and a system, and now they recruit to it, you know, a little bit like Red Bulls do. You know they 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 they, they want to the new words vertical used to be play forward when I was younger now they want to play vertical they want to play in behind you they want to turn your back four around, um, they're now starting to use that academy people forget that they've they've had that academy for over ten years now a bit like Dallas so now you're starting to see the Aronsons and people like that coming through so you know they've got a very they've had a they've had a plan of action they've stuck to it they you know they as I say they recruit to it. We looked at the guy, Jura, up front. We liked him a lot, but the, the money we got quoted was ridiculous at the time. So if he plays, he's got a knife for a goal. I think he will do better for them, actually, than Prisbilko did. Mm. So, you know, we know Bedoya, full of energy, full of life, and, and the 2 fullbacks get nice and high and wide in the first opportunity. They get it in your box. So I think Jim now is very, very set, certain and set in the way that he wants to set up and the way that they're going to play. Regardless of the you know, the personnel, they're playing to the system rather than the personnel. And I and I think they will continue to do that. And they'll, they'll, they're, they're going to be difficult.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, after watching a little bit of tape on the union over the course of the last couple of days, uh, Jakob Golesnes, um, very comfortable with the ball at, at his feet. Um, much more comfortable than a lot of centre-halves um, in, in Major League Soccer. He likes to take a step or two forward, mm. which at times... Gives you space in behind. I'm yeah. assuming should whoever starts up front for you uh, on Saturday. I'm assuming you're going to be telling them to look for that and, and look for that space in behind.
2: Yeah, and and we have to be mindful of the fact that you've seen Cal when he comes off and you're off. He's got an incredible shot. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know he's had a couple of goals from like 35, 40 yards out. Really good on the switch of play as well. You know the fact that he's got the cannon of, of the foot. He can he can suddenly swing it 60 yards and switch the play. But they do commit men forward. So if there's two areas, I think counter attacking, they leave themselves a little bit vulnerable. And I think they're a little bit vulnerable to the switch of play because they, they do try and keep you down one off of the field with that diamond. You know, the diamond is good when you've got it because you've got numbers up in there. But you do leave yourself vulnerable in wide areas if you can do a nice early switch of play. They're the sort of things that we've been talking about this week.
1: And when you look at. Playing on the road once again. Why is it so difficult to win on the road in this league for everybody?
2: I don't know. I I, I actually don't know because I've been down all the scenarios, you know, <laughs> telling the players that the, the pitch is exactly the same size, the goals are the same size. They cut the grass the same as we cut the grass. But it, it's a it's a mindset. and I don't know whether it's because of the travel. You know, I, I don't know. Because obviously the travel, there's something different here. You know, there's not many teams can travel four hours on an aeroplane and it not be a a European game or a competition, you know. So, uh, no, but the teams that generally, you know, win most of the points at home and then if you can go and nick four or five wins on the road, generally that makes the difference between having a home field advantage game and making the playoffs.
0: What do we think is a a good season this year for Minnesota United?
2: Well, we have to, the bottom line is we have to make the playoffs. Obviously, ideally, you'd want a home field advantage. I don't think it's going to be as easy as some people think. I'm looking at the league. I don't think the two L.A. teams won't make it. Nashville are strong. They're going to be there and thereabouts. We know what Seattle are about. We know what Portland are about. You know, it's it's not an easy league. As you just said, people are spending huge amounts of money. and um, But we we've proved over the last you know, three years at, what is it, four teams have made the playoffs. We're one of them. So we, 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 we're we doing something OK. Now we have to go better. I, you know, I'd rather be looking at the uh, Western Conference final of a couple of years ago than the first round exit last year. And that's what we have to aim for.
0: What are you most excited about this season?
2: The group, the younger ones we've brought in, you know, I look at Bongi and I look at Ariaga, they've raise my eyebrows a little bit in training. They've come in and they've they look as though they, they're here to compete. Looking to see Luis if we can get a good season into him. I'm looking to see if there's more improvement in Adrian now. Chase Gasper you know, are you gonna continue to, to grow? Asani Dotson can can you become the player that we all think you are? And if we do them things then I think the season can be quite
0: exciting for us. Two more questions before we let you go. I know you've got a game to prepare for. Uh-huh. Emmanuel Reynoso, Yeah. can he be the best player in Major League Soccer?
2: Oh yeah, he can be the best player in Major League Soccer. Has to do a few things though. Has to score more goals. He has to go from five or six goals a season, which he always gets, to 10 to 12. No doubt he will make 15, 15 assists, 20 assists. Mm. If he does, he puts him in, in, the, in the frame to be an MVP candidate. And he should be with his ability.
0: Finally, um, if you would, a, a message to the fans ahead of another season. Yeah,
2: obviously it'd be great to see them all back in the stadium, full house, just do what you keep doing, it's up to us to make sure that when they come in the stadium they've got got something that they can look at and think we've got something to get behind here and that has been my message to the players, this isn't a one way street where you just expect the crowd to turn up and get behind you in them moments when it's tough, we have to give them something and we've generally done that at home so more of that.
0: Wonderful. Adrian Heath, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. And our thanks to you for listening at home as well. Big thanks to our expert button presser, Evan Entler. Uh, and Kindred D. St. Orvin as always, uh, wonderful. The season is legitimately upon us. We can't wait. We'll see you Saturday for Minnesota United on the road to Philadelphia Union. MLS is back.